welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here with Gerard Cousins. He is a guitarist and composer and arranger who's living in the UK. Gerard, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, thanks, thanks for being here. It's, 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 uh, it's nice to have people from all over the world. Um, and I think actually you might be my second or third, third guest coming to me from, from Great Britain. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, Yeah, I listened to uh, Ella Fitzgerald-Cotzia. Yeah. I remember you did one with her, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Actually, the uh, the response to that one was really, really good too. You know, a lot, a lot of people listened to that one, so it was yeah, nice. kind of yeah. kind of fun. So, so tell tell me about what what's going on with you these days. I know that uh, you, you've you've done some arranging recently of Philip Glass, and you're going to actually be coming to the states um, to t- talk about that in 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 my home state yeah. of Ohio. So uh, we'll yeah, yeah, see yeah. If we can can schedule a meeting for for that time here. That would be great. Yeah, so um, before lockdown, I did this recording um, of Philip Glass's uh, music. I did some arrangements. And I never knew, actually, at the time whether it would be allowed to be uh, released because I didn't get any permission. And I thought, <laughs> I'll, I'll do this as good as I can. Yeah, I spent a lot of money on the studio and got a fantastic recording. Amazing microphones and things, you know, a nice Neve desk and great producer. And um and then had the job of trying to get Philip's attention and really just really just hoping that he wouldn't mind me releasing sure. it. In the past, I've made quite a few albums on my own label. I just did everything. I'm like a real DIY musician, yeah. um, did it all by myself. And that's really what I was hoping for was just a little nod of approval. And then finally, when they c- connected um, with me, which was quite a while, took. Um, they said, we love it. We, can we release it on Philip's label? And oh I was my like, gosh. <laughs> I said, yes, that's fantastic. Yes, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, great. And it came out, um, yeah, ooh, October, not last okay. year, the year before. Very yeah. cool. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, was, I was listening to the, the, the videos that you have on, on your website earlier today. Um, and, you know, it, it's dawned on me, like, why haven't we done this before? You know, I mean, it seems seems like such a natural, you know, textural of his kind of music. Thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, all the arpeggiation and, and I mean, it's what they, you know, it's what we do. And and I've, I've always thought, you know, is it, it's it's odd to me that you know why why isn't there actually, more of that? And 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 why hasn't he written for guitar? <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. He did. There is a an ensemble piece with a guitar part in it, but that's about it. What piece is but it? David Leisner's Oh, I can't remember the name. I've, I, I got this nice website called, um, I joined this thing called Encoder, which is kind of a, a streaming service for publishing music. Okay. Really. So you can just kind of look at loads of music. So I just went through his entire huh. oeuvre that was on there and um, checked out one of his, uh, probably, a, it was probably a theatrical thing, electric guitar part. Okay. And uh, yeah, so there is something there. Um, David Leisner did a nice transcription as well. Oh, really? Okay. Of something from Einstein on the beach. Oh, um, so he he really was the, the first, and then the Dublin Guitar Quartet did a really nice um, album of his string quartets and just really playing the violin part straight on oh. guitar, and it just works really nicely. Huh. That's a great idea. But yeah. so solo wise, it's 
though you think the arpeggios will be easy, <laughs> but I mean, if you if you made duos, it works a treat because one guy is or is probably doing sort of a triplet bass line, dum 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 right. dum, and then there's an arpeggio on top, and then you get into trouble on the guitar because it will work in one key or for one or two chords right. where you have an open string, and then it will go off somewhere and it becomes impossible and. I think the reason I managed to get things to work that no one had done before was I'm quite fearless when it comes to score Toro. So I was just retuning that okay. guitar for every piece. Okay. And and that they opened by I was amazed really. One semitone either way on a on the down to F sharp or G, the G up to G sharp. I think I got the G string down to F in one of the pieces and and things like that. Suddenly it opens up a few more possibilities. Sure, so sure. Um, you do yeah, you do hear other people doing versions of them, but it's a little bit thinned out and not quite. It doesn't have the double textures that he that he likes. Right. So um, I didn't want to do anything that wasn't true to his original right, kind right. of um, ideas. So it's quite limited. I came up with what was a limited, what I thought yeah. would be quite a limited amount of pieces. But and it was, was got an album out. Yeah. All of, all from piano music. All of them, apart from one, which is a violin, okay. the violin piece. For oh, Einstein okay, Beach. a solo violin. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, originally it was from the, the opera and it was solo violin and, and some kind of avant-garde poems being read over the top oh, of it. Oh, okay. And this is how I got into the idea of doing it really, because there's a, a violinist called Tim Fain, who then took this knee play, which is kind of an, in, an intermezzo piece from the opera. And he did it in an amazingly virtuosic concert type of like Roar away, and I was he was playing so fast, yeah. these arpeggios he was doing so fast. I said, like, Oh, I've got to try and copy this guy because I've always had this kind of thing of getting excited by people playing fast ever since I was a kid. Kind of, so. I, I, think that, I think that's and a then, common guitar disease, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I liked I was into metal and stuff when I was young as well, yeah. and then quickly found out that I'm not actually going to be able to play it as fast as this violin yeah. guy because physically we've got further to go. Sure. That's my excuse, anyway, you know? and then. Then, then found there's there's other ways you can interpret this piece, and I started using like harp arpeggio ideas and 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 just accenting things in a different way, and maybe taking a more romantic approach okay. to Philip's music than most people sure. do, because a lot of people when they think of minimalism, they kind of think there's a kind of you you should be a robot right, when you play this of stuff. Devoid emotional content, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like in some ways that can work strangely enough because then you the listener can put their emotion sure, onto it sure. but it works brilliantly the other way as well playing, you can really playing expressively is in. never a problem i i in my personal opinion yeah. you know i think i think i think that's that's, yeah, that's yeah. a good thing um yeah I, I but i think it would, would you know you mentioned the 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 minimalist thing and and the uh, the listener kind of putting their own uh mm -hmm. their own feelings into it and i i one of one of the most memorable experiences I ever had was was listening to I, I think it's a Steve Reich piece called Six Marimba. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I don't know what happened, but I I just I had this experience where I was just completely transported, like just in in a very strange, like almost hallucinogenic mm -hmm. way, you know, and mm -hmm. and and that's when I finally got the the minimalist thing. I was like, oh, that's what this yeah, is yeah. about. Whoa! And it's like time got suspended, and I was just yeah, in this yeah. translate state, and it was it was it was fantastic. And I and I thought, you know, as it was, it was like an, a deeply emotional experience. 
And I thought mm-hmm. that's 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 kind of interesting because yeah, like you said, you know, we we tend to think of that music as being robotic or cold or you know mechanical, yeah. these kinds of things. And I was like, that was yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one of the most intense experiences I've ever had as a listener, you know. And I thought that was yeah, really yeah. cool. But uh, yeah, I think maybe from a performer's point of view, it's a little bit like the early music, the way that that's evolved over time. Yeah. Like people were desperate to try and play it strictly academically right, right, and right. now it's come now it's come to freedom again yeah. and improvisation around it and that's a nice evolution i think yeah, to, I, to, and to I, i've always that. my approach with that too is i've always thought you know i mean just because you're playing something that's that's very old you know, it, it, they were still human beings right <laughs> they're yeah. still having exactly. human who experiences know, who knows what they <laughs> And probably far more eccentric than than we dare uh, yeah, be. Yeah, right. Now and why not? I mean, why not? Why not just try yeah. it? It's just an experiment, right? Yeah, that's great. So, and you've done you've done a lot of other arranging as well. I I I I, I, met, I noticed that you've done some music of Eric Whitaker's, who I, I think of mostly as a yeah. choral composer. Well, this is the madness, really. Yeah, <laughs> but I decided. I decided. Well, it was it was actually on my wedding day. Um, a musician friend of mine had secretly organized some singers to sing a four part piece that on wonderful when I was doing the register. Yeah. I had no idea about it. And yeah. um, they sang this piece and it was oh, it was incredible, absolutely beautiful. And then I was like, what's that piece? And it was This Marriage by Eric Whitaker. And then I got the score down and realized that most between the bass and the tenor, most of the time they were in fifth. Okay. So it's like, oh, okay, this is going to fit on <laughs> a guitar. And then, yeah. I, and then played it and it's like, oh, this is this is quite playable and it actually sounds okay because I was really reticent. I thought choral music without the words, is this gonna, is this gonna be any good? Or is it, is it like that people have to know the piece first and then stick the lyrics on them in their mind on on top of it, but it seemed to work okay. And I made a video and sent it off to Eric on his Facebook page and stuff. And nothing happened for months and I was kind of going, mm, never happened like this. And then, and then finally posted it up and went, this is a really lovely version of guitar version Fantastic. of that. And then that happened, I put that on an album of my own. And then a few years later, after the Philip Glass um, idea had worked so well, I thought, ah, maybe I can do something with, um, with Eric as well. So gave them a call and he, he sent me some music of pieces that he liked. There's another one called Seal Lullaby that worked and then Sing Gently, which was a virtual choir piece he'd done over lockdown. Oh, okay. And he's really the virtual choir inventor, yeah. pretty much. Um, he's been doing that for years. And then over lockdown, I think it was 17,000 people sent their music wow. in, their videos, oh, and they had to gosh. mix that and make this amazing video. <laughs> and um, I said to him, like, how do you do mix 17,000? That really <laughs> difficult. He said, well, it's kind of good in a way because all because you know they're they're amateur singers, so we're not they're not all in tune. So actually, right, you, you, the average is very much in tune. When you, when you mix that. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a project! And I mean, I'm great to do for, it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be the engine sound oh, engineer gosh, on no. that. Oh. Yeah. So were all, were all the pieces that of his that you you did the transcriptions on were the, those all um, choral works as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. some un- unaccompanied and others that were accompanied choral pieces and I just kind of take the essence of what I think is the pertinent yeah. lines and things like that and again a little bit of tweaking of the tuning here and there um, and I managed to make a little EP Lovely. called Lullabies which 
has done brilliantly. I mean, it's got a good head start. When there's 17,000 people who've sung it. Yeah, right. <laughs> then you've kind of got to, you, you, they might want to hear the guitar you, version. You can sell it to at least four of them, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, well, actually, we didn't make a, we didn't bother making a CD. This is, it's, it's now just pure digital. Oh, you, you've, you've done that, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know about this, but. I always have to ask people about this yeah. because I, I feel so old and like, I don't know. I, what are we doing with with music to to get it to people yeah. these days? I mean, I'm I'm gonna keep recording. That's what I do, and and yeah, yeah. You know, but I, every time I I make a CD, I think, what? Why am I? Why am I doing this? Who's who's? You know, yeah. I don't have a CD player in my house. You know, other than the one in my studio. Yeah, all of mine so. stuff. <laughs> My car one's broken, my seat ones in the house are broken, so I'm just streaming everything now. But yeah, I've got a huge CD collection just kind of gathering dust. I got my vinyls out and got a nice record player going again, but CD is kind of in a... Maybe it will come back in fashion, I don't know, yeah. but... Um, I, I mean, and it's, you know, I've talked to a lot of people too, and, and this it seems to be a common thing. It's nice to have something you can hold in your hand. Yeah. And if you're, you know, as old as I am, I remember like LPs and the big, you know, the jackets well, and, you know, all of that. And Yeah, well, maybe vinyl's the way to go. Yeah. I don't know, it's just a bit expensive and a bit heavy right. to like, to carry with you Yeah. if you're gigging. But, but um, it's really, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just changed the change the business of what we do, yeah. you know, in such a strange way. And I, I you know, and, and I, I've been thinking actually for the next, next recording project, maybe I'll just try it as an experiment, you know, even maybe not even doing an entire like full length, whatever that is, yep. quote album or whatever, just, you know, do some, do some recordings, release them as they go and, you know, see how, how that does. I don't know. That, you know. Yeah. That's kind of what I've been doing or at least planning to be doing lately is just of my own compositions just make singles yeah. really now and release them digitally and then maybe in a year's time put them all together sure. and maybe not even make a disc though yeah. i've got i mean i've got some concerts starting up again and i'll bring my cds to those right. and you know i've got a house full of discs i made six or seven cds <laughs> so and i got a thousand of each right. one printed so <laughs> behind all my bookshelves yes. there's a lot of cds hidden away and my, my, my basement like, basement is full of them as well yeah yeah do i have to sell them off cheap now you know because i was wondering in 10 years time like a used cd place <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even make a couple bucks on each one with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, we can't take this from you. I'd, I'd have to give them to somebody else and hey, hey go go in there and sell these for me. <laughs> do, you, do you know the CD Baby um, place? Yeah. Which is in Oregon, I think. Yeah. So I used to sell my CDs in America via them. Sure. And back in the day, I'd be sending boxes of 10 or 20 to them. And then they'd start saying, just send right. one and to send one from the uk the postage is more than your profit and then got an email like a few months ago saying we're getting rid of all our discs right. now you like your stuff back yeah yeah and we'll charge you so much or we'll just recycle them so, so that, yeah the end of that's the end of international cd selling anyway pretty much very very weird very strange you know and i mean i i think for me personally i had i had just started to kind of get a handle on you know how to do that anyway you know how to, how to make them make them sound good mm -hmm. you know get, get them to the right people you know market them you know and, and it's not like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not breaking any records as far as sales over here but uh you know it was it was happening and then it was just you know i just yeah. felt felt like it's just as soon as i started to get a handle on that and then yeah. everything changes oh great <laughs> can i retire yet yeah absolutely <laughs>
<laughs> when the download thing was happening, that seemed like a glimpse of hope for kind of internet musicians because right. you actually got paid a decent amount for a download. Yeah. And you could sell them direct without having anyone involved, really. Right. And um, But now with the streaming, I mean, I've the Eric Whitaker thing is I've hit two million streams oh my gosh. that, which is incredible. Yeah, but two bucks financially, <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's, it's decent. But the record company is going to take takes a big slice, and and if you don't use a record company, it's very hard to get on any playlist right. because so there's always there's still this middleman now. Sure. The record companies have got back in charge right. after a period of kind of being lost really and they've worked out how to stay in charge again did you get on the record company just for this recording or is that uh, something that you had well this was on, um, ongoing? with no with philip it was philip's label and with eric it was eric's oh, label okay so, there you go yeah and um because they're so well connected sure. that they uh they can you know they can talk to the right, right people nice yeah, yeah yeah so i mean the philip glass was amazing because i was on actually on the front page of iTunes for a few days or something next to all these pop people. This is a classical guitar record, you know? Amazing. This is this is but, all, but it's during lockdown, so it, my life is completely as normal. I'm just at home with the kids and my wife, you know, and not going outside. And then this is happening virtually, and it's like... It's surreal. So, yeah, like, yeah. Wow. But that was great. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. It got <laughs> exciting. But it was all virtual excitement. <laughs> yeah. It's just bizarre. It's, I'd love to do a concert one day. <laughs> Have you started performing again? I've got a few coming up soon, just small yeah. ones. Um, but I, I do, as I said, I do everything myself. Sure. So it's just getting the motivation again to... <laughs> and I was kind of hoping that someone would notice that I've just... Done, done these two very successful albums and someone might phone me up and offer me a concert. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I think we're still happened. in that kind of tentative phase where, you know, things technically have started happening again and opening up, but I, I think there's also this sense for, that we can't quite trust it, right? Mm -hmm. you know, that any, any yeah. minute it could, it could just, you know, shut down again. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think people have been really hesitant, very tentative about, you know, scheduling things. I, I, I did a couple of online things during the mm -hmm. during the lockdown and it was it was very strange because on one hand i had larger audiences that i'm used to having like you know if i go and play a recital somewhere in person yeah. you know which was great that part was fantastic um you know made made a little bit of money from people donating and stuff like that but uh gosh it feels so weird you know to play a concert yeah, yeah. in an empty room and you know know that it, you know out in the ether people are, are staring at a screen you know um, and I've done a couple, got, couple things no, no, yeah. since the the lockdown ended, and it it's so strange because you know something that that I was somewhat used to and and comfortable with that situation. Mm -hmm. It's like I have to I have to relearn how to be comfortable in front of an audience as a soloist yeah. now. You know, yeah. It, and it's been very odd. It's it's like wow. I, okay, well, I haven't done this in a while. This is this is really strange. <laughs> I did one concert right in the middle of the kind of lockdown time. It was October, last, I don't know which one year from the other now, 2020 maybe. And it was just in one, one period when it seemed to have opened up a little again. And it was one of the best concerts I ever, I ever did. Not because I was playing my best necessarily. And I did feel really strange yeah. again, but because there was no coughing. Wow. Because anyone who had the slightest hint of an illness was like not allowed anywhere near. And it's like, wow, you know. Oh my gosh. Is, people can yeah, imagine a castle guitar concert without the coughing. 
That's funny. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Interesting. Cause now that you mention it. Yeah. I did, I did a concert a couple weeks ago in Cincinnati and yeah, like, yeah, there was, it was a very quiet, very attentive audience. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you used to like that little diminuendo with the last final yeah. note fade in someone to do one of their horrendous <laughs> coughs and it never happened this time. Wow. Oh, yeah. Long may that continue. <laughs> so in, in terms of like um, your interest in, in doing transcriptions and arrangements and whatnot, is that something <laughs> you've had a, had, a, had a long time interest in it or is that something that just, you know, got a hold of you for this yeah. little glass thing? And No, I've been, I guess I'm just, always if i if i fall in love with a piece of music i just want to find a way of playing it on the guitar really yeah yeah. no matter how crazy it would be and and, you know there's been a huge huge history of nearly um playable transcriptions (laughs) that don't don't make it anywhere but i try lots of uh galez who is a composer um a little bit after scarlatti he wrote solo piano harpsichord music and uh I really liked his music. I remember spending ages trying to to do that. Um, but one of the break, one of the best things that happened really was using um, Spalius software that I use, uh-huh. so I can type in the music and then hit the transcription button. Because <laughs> in the past, when I was doing it all sure. by hand, oh, yeah, you know, you tried in one key, and if you wanted to change key, it was yeah. so laborious. So. Now I'm pretty good at sort of knowing what key will work yeah. and what tuning will work as well. So. And are you working on anything new right now? That way. I've. I've just done a load more Philip Glass oh, pieces. Okay. Um, Arvo Pert. What Pert did you um, do? I managed to do Spiegel and Spiegel as a solo guitar piece. Very cool. Which, um, and I was doing that with a singer last year as well, which was amazing. So she would just sing the, the violin great. line. And it was beautiful. Because huh. uh, she's, she's a great singer. You need to have a fantastic <laughs> um, pitch and, and sustain for that. So, and Furolina works quite. Okay. Well, that's been done quite a lot. It's a small piano piece of his. Yeah. So all all of this kind of my favorite type of music, really, the kind of minimalist sure. kind of things. Um, and I'm still writing my own stuff as well. Right. And sty- Which, stylistically, are your are, are your original compositions kind of in that in that vein as well? Um, yeah, it's, a lot of them are, but I don't I don't feel stuck in any kind of vein. I mean, one of the pieces I wrote recently was. Um, there's a lute piece by Marco de l'Aquila, okay. like a one minute piece that I just love, but I'm so frustrated with it because it's so small. So I decided to kind of um, be totally rude and disrespectful and just <laughs> extrapolate stuff from it and turn it into a five minute piece Great. of this kind of piece that merges in and out of of modernism yeah. and back to- I worked, worked back to for Benjamin Britain, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, it seems this is kind of the fashion now, isn't it? The, the composers can just can steal what they like. I think that's okay. You know, quite ashamed. It's like remixing in a way. Sure, it? absolutely. You know, I, 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 I think that that's, you know, that's one of the benefits of, of the world that we live in, you know, having access to so much, you know, I mean, yeah. why not, you know? So. Yeah, I think it's a nice, it's a nice way for, for us all to go as, as humans to yeah. just, to, to melt everything together and be, be 
freely available allowed to do it yeah. and enjoy enjoy what comes from it yeah. let's have creative ideas i mean why not you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> at worst it turns out to be a stinker and who cares nothing nobody got hurt oh, this, yeah <laughs> that will happen <laughs> yeah I, I don't think i've i don't think i've damaged anyone with my guitar playing <laughs> i hope not anyway <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're relatively harmless, aren't we? I think it's not going to do too much damage. So we might plug in occasionally. So you're you're in in Reading yeah. now, which is outside of London. You said, yeah. You said you lived in London for a little while as well. Yeah, after university, I moved into London quite by accident. I had a, a little dream of going to Granada and hanging out with the gypsies ah. and learning flamenco, building guitars and things. Oh, fantastic. But probably, luckily, that never happened. Probably, yeah. I did end up. So I moved to London and got a job in the Spanish Guitar Centre, okay. which was um, Len Williams's place, yeah, John yeah. Williams's dad, opened it up in the 50s, sure. and that was quite an entertaining experience. It was a little bit like Faulty Towers in the office. And, uh, <laughs> and the, In what way? <laughs> oh, the ex you know, eccentric stuff, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was a crazy little place, like very small right in the center of town and you'd have to go up loads of flights of steps to get there, there. so many people yeah. would get yeah yeah so a lot of people would get to the top and then bottle out just be too scared kind of thing and go down again <laughs> but as an education it was great because i got to meet all the great guitar makers who bring the guitars yeah. in and you could learn all the, the different types of guitars and what worked and what didn't work and and a huge amount of sheet music and one of my first jobs there um because and I got the job because I had a business card with a website on, and back in the day that was quite rare. <laughs> and and the boss said, "Do you know about computers?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know about computers." <laughs> he said, "I'm going to make a we're going to make a database of every piece ever written and published, oh and then have that as a kind of index for people to use. It'd be a great, you know, it'd be a fantastically useful thing." And so I, I typed in just about everything, and then that project kind of fell apart at the end, Amazing, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, like, like, <laughs> but I, yeah. But I just saw, you know, so many pieces of music, and wow! So it was a great sort of knowledge-building exercise, and who, who was used to teach there time? as well. Barry Mason okay. was the guy, and uh, yeah, and that was that was kind of an alternative education than going to one of the conservatoires sure. in London, which would have been a nice thing to do. I never did a postgraduate in the end. Okay, so I just kind of did it that way. And and where then, did you study before? So I went to the University of Leeds, which was what you might call a uh, conventional music degree. Okay. So music history and composition sure, sure. and things, and not so much of a focus on performance. But I got myself on um, the performance course there, which meant there was an extra year abroad. Ah. And I went to Holland to a place called Enschede, which is on the German border in Holland. Okay. And uh, maybe I was 20 or 21 years old, and I was doing well in the university as a guitarist because I was virtually the only guitarist on the course, <laughs> all orchestral musicians. And then I get there, and in, in Holland at the time, you could just study forever if you wanted because yeah. the government would just keep paying you to, for education. It was great. So there were 30-year-olds there who were just incredibly technically far better than me. And I was, I'm quite a competitive guy, so I was like, okay, I've got to do some practice. Okay. And, and the guy there was like, you're very musical, but you need to work on technique. And taught me about planting and things like yeah. that that I was completely unaware of and just he said you know you need to do a nine to five of um of technical work sure. kind of thing and and I was well the reason I got into music was I I never wanted to do a nine to five <laughs> <laughs> 
but through a combination of homesickness and and com competitiveness <laughs> I, I just really put my head down and just totally got into it I loved it in the end yeah I was just playing all day long and who, who were you studying and I studied composition there's a guy called Louis Ignatius Gall who was quite well known in Holland okay. and had studied with Segovia and been to Siena I think huh. and things like that and then after my year abroad all this technical stuff that he'd shown me um I discovered pumping nylon okay by Scott sure. Tennant and it was kind of the same stuff in that and I was like okay good this this show this works yeah yeah, yeah. and did you, when, you were, when you were at Leeds did you have was there a faculty member there that you were studying with or did you yeah yeah no, it was it was Graham Wade who's oh, okay. yeah, well known yeah yeah well-known author wow. and um and he was great going to his house because he had you know so many albums and course, books yeah. and just knew everything yeah so he'd tell me stories about Bream and Segovia yeah. and stuff so I was to a little kid because I'm from Wales I'm from a small town in Wales so I wasn't really that well connected in terms of music and going to concerts yeah. and meeting guitarists and things. It's quite an isolated um, uh, existence as a kid, but small town. But I had a great guitar teacher there, luckily, a guy called Jeremy Herbert, okay. who sort of instilled the love of the instrument in me because up to that point, I'd done piano from when I was five and tried the clarinet and was kind of flicking between different things. But yeah. And then fell in love with the guitar. And, and was, was when, when you started playing, was that classical guitar to start with? Yeah, well, I did ask to play bass because my older brother was in a band in school and I could see how popular he was yeah. getting <laughs> from being the guitarist. <laughs> I was like, I want to get in a band <laughs> and play bass because I know you can easily get in a band if you play bass. So my mum was like, no, you're going to learn, you're going to learn classical. And, and I just, yeah, I love classical, yeah. But I played, I got played electric guitar then in school as well because... And this is kind of where it's headed to today, really, with the Philip Glass and Eric Whitaker. It's like, I always wanted to play music that most normal people would like. Yeah. Whereas the guitar repertoire was so small and you'd play a piece, maybe Asturias works brilliantly in Requeros. And, the, but most the, guitar the music, hits, yeah. No one, yeah, most people don't really care about <laughs> Leo Brower, you know. I remember like playing a Logio della Danza and I did not in school concerts and things and no one knew what the hell I was doing. <laughs> But I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but I always felt I would like a bit more connection with my peers. Yeah, you know? I think that would be nice. <laughs> so, do you do you have anything coming up now as things are starting to open up up again? And and are you do you have any uh, new new arranging projects in the works? What's the story there? I know you're going to be coming here. Is that November that you're coming? To no, in May. You're coming over in May. May. Okay. Yeah. So there's this society that I I must admit I'd not heard of before, um, but I discovered recently <laughs> called the Society for Minimalist Music, and it's like, oh wow. I wish I'd heard about this before, especially since last year they would, had a conference in Cardiff, which is kind of oh. really close. And then Home, hometown, yeah. <laughs> but but more fun next this time it's in um, Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Right. So um, so I sent them a, a suggestion and an abstract of talking about transcription of minimalist music and what effect that might have, and they like the idea of it. So. Great. I'm going to come over and give my first conference talk, which will be a nice uh, new That'll thing for me fun. to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been in academia, so <laughs> interesting. You know that that, yeah. that that might be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Not well, for you, not for academia. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I'm where I live now because I live near the University of Reading, and my wife works in the university, and yeah. lots of my friends who live around here are all academics. So it's kind of right. It's an interesting mix, really. Also, really blessed to have like some brilliant musicians who just live up and down the street from me. 
some great folk huh. musicians, Hilary James and Simon Mayer, who were mandolinist and singer, and 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 then down the road was a retired singer and a harpsichord builder. It's like I love the harpsichord, so I go down and play on his harpsichords and stuff, and beautiful. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a little nice little part of the world here. Yeah. Are you doing any teaching there as well? I just I go into London two days a week and teach at a, okay. a school there, and just have two solid days teaching. Yeah. And so that the rest of the time I can try and try and be creative. Yeah. And keep my energies <laughs> what, to myself. What, what kind of commute is that for you? Oh, it's really close. I mean, the train is only, if the fast train is 25 minutes on a good day oh, to Spanish. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, yeah, compared to you Americans, like door to door oh, in an gosh. hour, really. So, and a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost, it's almost the same time it took when I used to live in London. It's really not much different. So, yeah. yeah. But I'd like to, I still love going to the big city because the sure. the energy of the place is great, and there's always good concerts to go and see, and, and yeah. people to rehearse with, and things like that. So, right, and do, the, 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 what, what kind of teaching are you doing? Do you have students of all ages and different styles? Um, are you doing? This is pretty much classical guitar from the ages of okay. five to sixteen, and then I've just got one private pupil now at home. Okay, okay. And is, um, is, that, is, it, is it through like a community music school kind of thing or? No, it's, a, it's just a, a very nice um, private school okay. with a fantastic music department. So it's just children. Yeah, great. Very, very cool. And when, when, you, were, when you were in school, were you, were you teaching as well during that time? Or is this something that you, you started doing? Yeah, after you my parents were both writing? school teachers and... I was, when I was kind of doing a paper round and saving up for my first electric guitar, I, I was not getting paid much. And I thought oh, I can actually start teaching guitar. So from 16 years old, I was teaching guitar. Yeah. So I've always done that. Yeah. And, you know, various places, you end up sort of being a peripatetic and driving around little houses and sure. stuff. And I've managed to kind of get all of that condensed into a couple of days and in the daytime now, which is important because now I have a family and things, but in the past, right. I, you know, I'd be working evenings all the time and weekends and things. Yeah. So just trying to get uh, the antisocial hours down. As, <laughs> you know. I like it, the antisocial hours. Yeah. <laughs> How many kids do you have? I've got two boys, so eight and 11. So they've been okay. keeping me busy for the last few years. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's funny because you think when they're when when you have really young kids, they take up so much of your time in a certain way, and you think when they get, yeah. when they get older, it's going to be easier. And I don't, yeah, I don't. I think I think people that have kids are just busy taking care of yep. their kids. <laughs> when I was I was on ways, the, you know? on the side of the football pitch this morning, every Sunday, ah. <laughs> they're, they're they're heading towards the sports side rather than the music side at the moment. But uh, that's, yeah, that's okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I like both as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, they, do they do anything musical at all? Uh, not a lot, actually. They, yeah. they did. I do try and teach them a bit here and there, but yeah. father-son teaching is often <laughs> brought with difficulties. <laughs> As my dad was a yeah, my dad was a linguist, and of, yeah. That's, yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't follow my father's footsteps. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's 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 the natural order of things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they can do a job that earns loads of money, then that you know that, that could well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like like playing classical guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I used to teach this great guy. Um, 
who I'm not sure what he did exactly. It might have been hedge funds or something like that. Very, yeah. very talented guitarist. And he tells me the story that when he was 15 or something, he asked his guitar teacher, what were the odds of me making a good living playing classical guitar? And the guy <laughs> hesitated and he went, okay, I won't do that. Then I'll go off and do a job where I can make some money. Yeah. yeah. And have have guitar yeah. as a hobby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we persist. Yeah, yeah. and you can I see. Used to, I used to tell. Go ahead. You can see this in the guitar center, the Spanish guitar center, when I used to work there. So, the guys who were who bought the expensive guitars were often not the the, the best players. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've had a few students like that over the years. I uh, one of one of my former students. I love this guy. He's not taking lessons with me anymore, but he he was great. Um, but he was, yeah, he was, he was in finance and making, making big, big money, yeah. you know, and, and, and his, his lifetime goal was to have one guitar by all of the world's best luthiers. So wow. he would just call these people up and, yeah. you know, and, you know, he, he had, he had, you know, he had two Humphreys and he had a, a, a Jeffrey Elliott and mm -hmm. uh, John Gilbert, like, and, and he would just call them up and say, Hey, build me a guitar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No problem. You know, and, and, you know, he had cases built for them in his house mm -hmm. and everything. And it was, you know, and he had, he had this uh, ritual set up where, you know, once a month it's, it's, you know, cleaning time, string change. Oh well, yeah. Time go horrible. Guitar, you know. I'd have to employ him. <laughs> I changed my strings yesterday. I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's the one job I would love someone else to do for me is to change the strings. Yeah. You, you know, you might might be able to find somebody to yeah, do yeah. that. You know? Can <laughs> train, I trust train one of your sons to do it? There yeah, you yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> the allowance is going up. <laughs> I think they'll be like the social media um, marketing side of things. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, I'm teaching them. <laughs> one of the things I learned over lockdown was how to use Final Cut Pro for video video making and. Got yeah. them onto it as well, so they made their own little videos of stuff from like top ten <laughs> Star Wars characters and things, and you know. So now, and you you had mentioned that you you know you, you're kind of like a DIY um, yeah recording guy yourself, and and what uh, did you the, the the transition to using Final Cut Pro and doing your own videos and stuff like that is that something you really enjoy, or is that something that that is is more of a chore? <laughs> or was it was it tough? Yeah, well, the, actually, Final Cut Pro is quite a steep learning curve. That was that was hard, yeah. but um, yeah, I don't know. I think you know a lot of classical guitarists uh, are not necessarily team players. Well, and uh, <laughs> and I always found it pretty hard to trust anyone else to do to do right. stuff for me. I guess so. I ended up making recording my own things, and I remember. I mean, I studied sound recording and and elect electronic stuff in university. Sure. It was quite natural for me to to do that. I said, because yeah. I'm from a, a quiet part of Wales, and asked my parents uh, one day to sort of go around all the local churches and listen and kind of find some really quiet, beautiful acoustics. And then they they came upon oh, wow. one church that was quite near near home. I'd moved to London at this point, so I came back, and then I used to just record in this church. And yeah, it's wonderful. You go there midnight. It was all really scary because you were there by yourself and. Um, <laughs> And have to walk through the graveyard at midnight and things, but um, <laughs> and you're miles from anywhere, you know. Um, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then so yeah, then, then I had to learn editing as well of audio editing and things right. like that. And but I, I love doing all of that. Yeah, the video editing yeah. maybe I, I think I do enjoy it when I when I'm doing it, but thought of wanting to do it, I'd rather do <laughs> rather do audio editing. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I did. 
I always thought, you know, I actually, I, I like the audio stuff and, and I, I enjoy, I enjoy that work a, a, a great deal. Um, but I, I don't like computers so much, you know, and, and, oh. and, and when I, when I started doing recording, you know, it was, it was early, early nineties, mm-hmm. I guess, mid nineties, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and the things I had to learn about computers, you know, I think yeah. I, I never wanted to know this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <You> know? <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a kind of a, a mixed, mixed blessing, I guess, but it's, you know, it, it but I, for me, it was always a case of, uh, you know, being too poor or too cheap to, to really pay somebody to do what I wanted. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I, I, I can spend the money and get the equipment and do it myself. And well, that was way, always, you know, yeah, with me, it was a question of, do I want to, do I want money or do I want time? And I always chose time. Yeah. <laughs> time is good. Yeah. Time Cause, is good. <laughs> yeah. Because occasionally I'd, people would go on holiday and I'd be managing the, for example, the Spanish Guitar Center. So I'd be in there for a whole week working every day. To, and I just, yeah. by the end of the week, I was like, I can't stand this any longer. It's like, it's probably one of the easiest jobs you could have. You could still play guitar in the day, but it's just, I need my space. I need my time. Yeah. <laughs> How long did you work there? Oh, that's a good question. Probably over 10 years, I guess. Oh my gosh. So it was a great little um, sort of place where people would come in and they'd ask for guitar lessons and you teach them and then they'd buy guitars and books and it just fed itself, sure. you know, it worked really nicely. And then at the end of the day, you'd be left with some cash in your pocket and you can go out in central London with your other guitar <laughs> teacher friends. And it was a great thing to do in your, in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. And were you, were you living in London at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that was also great because you had some keys to, to a, your central London pad if you ever needed yeah. to kind of go to the toilet <laughs> or leave, or leave you know, whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, they're good days. It's a shame it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of the the great, cool, little, quirky shops have disappeared now. Yeah, London, which is a shame. Yeah, is the, the rents get too become high. more corporate? You think? Yeah, the rents get too high and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the place had that was on a lease, uh, you know, from the nineteen fifties. So, oh my god, still, rel- still had a kind of relatively cheap rate. And I think if you've been in a place for 20 years, I think the law was, you know, you couldn't be kicked out and very right. easily. So they could, it could have gone on forever kind of thing. But um, So do you have anything else lined up in the States while you're here? Or is that is it just a one shot kind of coming over? Yeah, to well, I've only got, I don't know about the, how the visas would work and things and doing concerts and things. But um, yeah, I need to just kind of get into contact with as many people as possible. And I just want to just sure. meet everyone, really. I've never yeah, never been over to the States um, professionally. I went over singing oh, with my school okay. choir like years ago, ah. which is great. Sort of in Ann Arbor. It's, Ann Arbor is twinned with my little town in Wales. So we went there. Oh, yeah. And Toronto. Huh. And that was fun. I was in New York 10 years, 14 years ago because I was flying down to Peru as well to do some concerts. OK. So, but yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'm playing Philip Glass's music. I need to be in New York. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I, it sounds like it. Yeah. Now, have, have you actually talked to him directly? Uh, unfortunately, not. I've, when it was all getting released, the lockdown thing happened because I was planning to to head to New York to release the yeah. album, really, and then that all failed. Oh. And um, I'm talking to people at his label now to see whether I can okay. meet him. But. Uh, He's getting on How a bit. How old is he now? He's 85 yeah, now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. 
and still with the threat of COVID and things, it's all a little bit, right, things, of course, are, things yeah. are pretty tricky to, to organize. But yeah, I shall try and um, get to New York, I think, as well when I'm over there. Yeah. Be well with it. Well, I'll have to make sure that we, we get you in touch with all of the, uh, the, the relevant people here in Ohio. There's, there's quite, a, quite a guitar scene here. Yeah, actually. Yeah. It's, it's surprising, you know, for being you know, smack dab in the middle of the country and Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the the guitar society in in Cleveland is is really really doing doing very well. Yeah, I had to look at the websites um, and yeah. And we've got a we've got a humble little society here that uh, you know does okay. But uh, I'll I'll get you in touch with some some folks uh, for that. And you know, um, you know Jason Biop in in, in oh, Cleveland yeah. and Steve yeah. Aaron and in, in, at Oberlin uh, he used to be in Akron and um, there's 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 stuff going on. So we'll, we'll have to see if we can. Uh, you know, spread some word about getting you. And with Eric Whitgate, I was meant to meet him. He was coming over to do a concert in February in London, and then COVID, oh. COVID stopped that. So it's been delayed. He's coming over in April. So okay, finally get to meet him as well. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. Is, is he based in Chicago? In He's in LA, I think. Like, LA, okay. Yeah. We did, a, we did a live stream podcast kind of thing uh, on Facebook with him where I had to oh cool had to play and talk and that was that uh, was fun that went on for about an hour or so yeah it was good so so what else what else should we talk about what kind of um what, what kind of connections do you have with with other guitarists in the UK these days like what's what's the scene like for you that way um do you know Graham Devine is uh one of my favorite yeah. players I used to grab a couple of lessons with him when, when I was in okay. London he's yeah he's fantastic um, Julian Broom, of course, who died recently, he was—he's always been my right. my main man. Uh, John, did you ever meet him? Um, I did meet him after a concert, but I was so starstruck, I just kind of—I shook his hand. And then, <laughs> I remember talking to my old teacher Graham Wade about him, though, and he said, "If you ever meet Broom, don't talk about guitars with him. He's just so bored of people talking about guitars with him." You know, just, Amazing. You know, talk about something interesting, <laughs> and it's like. Mm -hmm. I haven't got anything that could possibly address this guy, so I'll just bow, bow humbly. And this was one of his concerts. You know when he did the Bach Lute Suite, the minor. Have you ever seen the transcription where you have to tune up? You start off with a D tune and then to E. So in yes. mid-concert, uh -huh. he just goes dum dum and tunes it back to E instantly. And it's right there. And it's like, oh, I love this guy, the, you know. <laughs> to take risks like that, I've always admired yeah, oh, players yeah. who'll, do, who'll do that, yeah. Sure. Um, and John Williams, I've had the pleasure to meet quite a few times as well. And he used to, he used oh, to come really? in the guitar center now. And then one afternoon he came in, I was just playing away and we had a great chat. And he oh, played my, my guitar and kind of pointed out <laughs> how you can improve the sound on it and things. So Amazing. Because the, there's a the thing about wolf notes, on, on a, at least on a traditional Spanish guitar. Occasionally like you have one dead yeah. note and most of the treble string is lovely. And mm -hmm. then like the C sharp probably is not as good as the others. And, he was yeah. telling me about Greg Smallman uses blue tack to kind of tune his guitars. Do you have blue tack in the States? Is that the same thing? The six yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So um, yeah. Yeah. you can kind of find points on the, on the top where they vibrate too much and then you can damp them. I think violin makers do the similar thing with yeah, lights. Yeah, sure, sure. And then I developed a little trick. If you buy some of those really strong little neodymium magnets, um, uh-huh, yeah. You can put one either side of the guitar, so one inside, one uh -huh. on the outside, and then you can move this thing around and find uh -huh. the point to tune the top kind of thing, and then you can damp it from there. So that was a nice, wow. nice little tip. So if you've got, if you've got uh -huh. one dead note on your guitar, you can, there's something you can do about it, which is 
And how, how do you go about trying to find the spot? Is it just well, you can, and peck? It's normally, yeah. I'd say, so if you're sat with the guitar, it'll be below the treble strings, um, maybe three or four centimeters, where a gulper door would be, really. Okay. That kind of area seems to be okay. sweet spot. Uh -huh. um, huh. And he, I mean, John Williams was doing it just with his finger, just sticking it really firmly on the guitar and then plucking and then finding it that way. Huh. But it's a little bit easier if you can, you can play freely at the same time. Yeah. And then I remember him huh. telling me I was mad to practice so much as well. He was like, if, <laughs> if you can't do it in four hours a day, then you're not doing it right. He kind of said, you know. <laughs> I was like, but John, I can imagine John's practice was always very focused and um, problem course, solving, yeah. whereas my practice most of the time was looking out the window and <laughs> improvising and, you know, and just, yeah, just a very different, more exploratory, you know, way of, way of being, I think, kind of, yeah. Not that John isn't exploratory, but just my, I'm not focused yeah. like that. When I started reading books about practice discipline, it was all, this was all new to me, yeah. <laughs> concept that I still find I just, want to, I just want to play guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is work? Yeah. I have to work at this? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I... I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I would do if I was practicing and John Williams walked in the room. I think I. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have a heart attack and, was, and, and other other bodily yeah. emergencies all happening at the same time. <laughs> I met his, one of his sons as well. I don't know. He's about, I can't remember how old he was. Sixteen or seventeen, maybe. Huh. And he hadn't been playing yeah. guitar long, and he starts playing Barrios. And it's just like, oh, my dad just has been teaching me for a bit. And it's like, oh, come on, you know, this is amazing. <laughs> Did you know who it was? No, no, no. Well, he came, well, he came in with his dad and then we just said, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't oh, have known. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wow, yeah, this, this is, it took me, took me a long time before I could yeah. play that. Who's your dad? Oh, you might yeah, have heard yeah. of him, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a thing. I think I was playing Jose Sonata when he came in. And he, he, I don't think yeah. he knew the piece, or he knew of it, but he hadn't played it, so... That was huh. quite fun. There you go. I was, That's good yeah. luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was talking about, I think at that point, that's when I was doing my first album, and I was kind of, I want to do all the heavyweights, Jose Sonata, Invocation and Dance, yeah. and prove myself to the world that I can do these things. And right. it's just kind of like, it's too much, too much work, you know, just... <laughs> Just you know, by all means, have a couple of biggies in the in the in your repertoire, but you don't need to right. do concert that's so intense and so hard. And then, then I think, God, if John's yeah. telling me this, then yeah, <laughs> so I can do anything. Then I maybe it's good advice to just not kill yourself. Does Does he take that advice himself, though? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Of course, he is John Williams, so you know. <laughs> I think that's good advice, though. You know, that's that is that's a that's a that's a, that's a decent way of of yeah, like programming it. things. But I think for for recordings, though, it's different, though, because you can take yeah. whatever time you need to prepare yeah, yeah. and record. And, and that was you my. Know, and you always want to kind of make a statement yeah. or you know have a have a larger idea at play. I think you know. And that's what the great thing about being a DIY musician was that I wasn't renting this church, so I could right. I could do a piece a night if I wanted. Or a week, right. I could go back. You know, I didn't have any time. Yeah. There was a bit, little bit of time constraint, but nothing like <laughs> the studio kind of right. feeling where you're, on, you know, you're under pressure here. Right. You get this thing done in three yeah. days. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how I did the Philip Glass one. That was kind of intense. I had my old guitar teacher with me. He was great because he could just 
with a few sort of well-chosen words to just say whether that take was good enough or sure. adequate or you can do better and and he was also making yeah. wonderful food and it was a place where you could that sleep over so i could just we could just totally be intense oh yeah for a couple of days and do that yeah it's a place called mono nice. valley studios which is quite often used by um, rock musicians and um, okay where is it's it it's in in monmouthshire which is kind of on the wales uh, england border really rural place um great history there and just down the road from there's rockfield as well where queen did bohemian rhapsody okay. and things it's kind of yeah well oh then black sabbath used to go there and oasis huh. recorded their first album in mono and but then the record company rejected huh. it and they had to re-record the whole thing again and that was their big one but it was great being huh. in a residential studio and just especially because you know you've got kids at home and all this kind of thing it was like i can just yeah. totally focus on that and very cool. and i went back there a few years later with um this jazz project that I did, which is called Bead, B-Y-D, which is, um, um, I'm from a place called Brecon in Mid Wales, which is a small town. And okay. as I said, there wasn't much going on there, but every summer we'd had this jazz festival that grew up into this incredible <laughs> festival, probably in the nineties with its heyday and Jim Hall, Joe Pass, Amathini oh, played yeah. there. And I used to work as a steward so I could go backstage and, and go into any concert I wanted kind of thing. And yeah. so I had this fantastic education of seeing all these great American um, jazz players in this little Welsh town. And yeah. They were sponsored by British Airways as well, I think, so they could fly people over for one gig. And okay. So I've always had this kind of jazz, love of jazz as well. But I never really studied it or would call myself a jazz player. But in the sure. last few years, I am, I've got to play there and organized a couple of concerts, like I did a Miles Davis, you know, In a Silent Way, this album. Oh, of course, yeah. So yeah. I kind yeah, of yeah. arranged that for two guitars and bass and saxophone and piano and started meeting these jazz musicians. Oh, fantastic. And um, oh, yeah, I was also doing um, Terry Riley's piece called In C, which is this open uh -huh. piece where yeah, you can have anyone joining in. So I'd kind of make these yeah. events, if you like, and uh, get people to play with. Yeah, I don't know what happened a few years ago. I'd sort of got bored of just being a solo guitarist, really, and lonely. <laughs> and thought, this could be fun to actually... Uh, yeah. to start playing with people and yeah um yeah at this festival and they had a fringe festival as well and i sort of took over a church and would um curate if you like the music that went on in it and that gave me free reign to experiment with these things and try oh, some fun. miles davis and things like that and yeah i know are you, are you doing that on island string with your fingers or yeah yeah, no, all string, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Got, um, some nice pickups and a bose amplifier sure. and yeah, yeah that's something we i mean we could talk about i'm quite now um i rarely play i guess acoustically nowadays i always i like yeah. to have a little bit of backup with, with the bows and things like that and um are you are you doing that regardless of the venue just or about it, really yeah because yeah yeah um i like to have a little bit of extra reverb i guess if 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 yeah. need be and I don't want people to hear the amplifier. I still want them to hear me, but especially right. with the bows and the way that yeah. it, it transmits the sound, it's people really can't tell half the yeah. time that you're out yeah. using it. It's. I think. I think we we, we live at a, a time now where you know two things are happening. First of all, you know the, any stigma about it is is kind of falling yeah. away. You know, and the and the technology has gotten to the point where it really can be rather transparent. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And, and that's that's. It can sound like a CD. You know? And I've. Yeah. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing it so much more and it's not, it's, you know, when I've been to concerts, 
where people are amplifying it, it yeah, it seems it seems very natural and very you know, like nothing's nothing's really getting lost, you know. It's it's, it's a good thing. So and it's something that I, I really care about because the whole reason I play the guitar is sound. And so if you're yeah. amplifying badly, then I I don't want to be there. I mean, I've been to right. plenty of orchestral concerts where there's a guitar concerto and they're going uh -huh. through the PA and they amplify it. The speakers are on the ceiling, basically, and the guitarist is on the floor <laughs> and the sound's coming out yeah. of there. It's and it, so weird. And I, so yeah, weird. I just don't want to be there. Yeah. I don't want to hear that because I can't. Yeah. yeah. I can't separate that at all and, and imagine the sounds coming from the guitar. I just hear it coming yeah. from somewhere else. So. Yeah, I'm really yeah. careful. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost it's, it almost sounds like somebody's playing a recording yeah. through the PA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. Have you have you come across a guitarist called Derek Gripper, South African guy? No. Okay, you need to check mm. him out because he's he's an old friend of mine. Okay. He's he kind of helped me, I guess, in the last like ten years. We've been close friends. Um, he used okay. to come over and I organize tours and we played together. He started. He, yeah. He was a conventional classical guitarist and. Then discovered uh, Malian um, chora music, harp music from Mali. Okay. Managed to get this onto the guitar. Yeah, yeah. John Williams heard him and then sort of offered him concerts okay. and things like that. Um, but we used to tour together, and he was very good at kind of helping me get over the the guitar, what I call the guitar police kind of things of like playing right. playing sure. Capriccio Bay and and all the time and and yeah. being. And not and worried about amplification <laughs> and who are you going to play to, who is yeah. your audience, and all these fundamental yeah. questions. Because as a South African, he was saying, you know, he's he's playing taraga in South Africa, and it's just a, it's such a weird cultural right. thing. And it's the same here, really. Into right. playing Spanish music in Great Britain as well. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's the the time of nationalist music, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, and was such yeah. a big thing that every composer had to express their, their nationality. Right. I don't know, we're kind of getting some ways beyond that. I say that, I, I would admit. I hope so. <laughs> you know, I made an album of Welsh music a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it, can, it can be enjoyed by yeah. all, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you bring up a point on that, too, is, is you know, the, the guitar police, you know, it, that's something that you you realize if you play to audiences that aren't guitar centered audiences yeah. that you know they that that goes away real fast mm -hmm. you know and you and you you can quote get away with all sorts of stuff the you know the guitar police that would you know would put you in jail for and i i think it's that's a there's a lesson to be to be learned from that and and i think there's a strange thing that you know i don't know if this is if this is a common experience for you, but you know when I was younger, there there was amongst the guitar community, there was a lot of complaining about mm -hmm. not being part of the larger yeah. uh, classical music world. You know, and and I've even I, I don't like this term at all, but it, it it I understand what people are saying. But you know, I've heard people refer to it as the guitar ghetto or these yeah. these sorts of things. You know, and. And I always thought, you know, well, aren't we kind of responsible mm. for that ourselves, you know? And 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 I think I think kind of getting out of that and and doing what we can to interact with other yep. other people who are making music and and all those kinds of things. Those are only really good things. And I think about the best gigs I've ever had have not been, you yep. know, anything having to do with you know solo classical yeah, guitar. Yeah. They've been they've been other things that there have been fantastic. And I always think, you know. Those those are the audiences that I want mm -hmm. 
interact with you know this 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 wider more broadly appealing kind of kind of things so you know. i think yeah i had a, a revelatory moment i was playing a piece i wrote called white cloud blue sky which was a homage to john mclaughlin the jazz guitar okay. player who likes to play yeah. fast and i'd written this one sort of section that had a very show-off cadenza i guess and then in the middle of the piece people applauded like they would at a jazz gig you know <laughs> and the shiver went down my body and it was like wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, let's, um, let's try and do more of that. Yeah, yeah. sort of go go in yeah, that direction. I, yeah, I, lo I love that, and I also I also love the idea. And this is something that I'm I'm going to be working on myself. Like coming up here, it's a big big project for me. Is getting getting out of the concert hall. You know, let's mm -hmm. let's, let's find other environments to, to share so, this music yeah. with people. I mean, the, the problem's not the music, the problem's the environment. It's right? so tricky though. And, I mean, yeah, I've been invited, I've like played in, in some pubs or things like that, but silence yeah. is so important to my music, especially, and, and most classical guitarists, like how the sound dies and also where yeah. we come from. And then that, you need some discipline in the audience <laughs> where they are listening because you can't just turn the volume yeah. up because that doesn't do it that's not what we're trying right. it's not about volume yeah yeah so we are stuck with this trying to find other venues i agree but also having a respectful yeah. i don't know if respectful is the word but at least you know yeah. attentive audience. i know what you're saying yeah but, but providing an environment where the, what we do can thrive yeah. you know you need people to listen that makes sense. they have to actually okay. listen yeah right? <laughs> please please <Yeah. laughs> great what other was it, any, any any other big guitar problems we should solve do you think well, the, other, the other fun thing i'm having with yeah it's, it's scored a tour and tunings really and i think yeah talk about yeah, that so so through um necessity for arrangements i've been doing lots of this uh, retuning of the guitar yeah. And then I started thinking, well, there's a lot of guitar pieces out there that are really hard. And maybe we could make them easier if we retuned the guitar. And I've been looking yeah. back and I haven't spent a lot of time on it yet, but there's certainly some Rodrigo pieces, some Bach, like the E major lute suite, the prelude. I've yeah. been tuning the G to G sharp, which is one of my favorite tunings now. Okay. Just little things like that. It's like, oh, maybe this yeah. could just... Uh, make things a lot easier and so maybe that will be a project of mine in the future I think where I just kind of get more conventional repertoire and I'm especially by the composers who weren't guitarists right and, um, like one of the Bagatelles works really nicely with, with an f-sharp tuning huh and Walter Bagatelles and huh and it's just whether I mean it's a bit of a pain in a concert about get, keeping sure. Well, you know, everybody always needs an excuse to buy another yeah. guitar. So, you know, this is this is this is my my G sharp yeah, tuning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my F sharp tuning. <laughs> when Quine Baba came, it was popular. Everyone needed two guitars. Everybody had yeah. two guitars. Or they, yeah. or they, or they <laughs> learned a speech that went on for ten minutes. They could make while they were waiting for it to get in tune. Boy, I don't miss yeah. that at all. <laughs> my my little thing now is to try and write an improvisation or or a piece. That works in every tune, every retuning. So I don't have to speak to the audience for so long. I can kind of play an improv that allows space to tweak, and then play for a couple of yeah. minutes, let it settle, and then go into the into the piece. So that's what I'm. Roland Diaz used to have a piece um, 
I don't know if you ever published it. I don't think so, but he, it's, it's called G Sharp. Okay, no, I don't know this. Um, and and I, he, 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 as he was playing the piece, by the end of the piece, every string is, to, is tuned to a G Sharp. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. He's, he's, he's tuning the guitar you know, as, as part, of the, part of the music, and it's, it's, it's a fully composed work. Is he tuning the, not, he wasn't is the low E going up to a G Sharp, do you know? No. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm not rem remembering that all correctly. That's but it was, yeah, yeah. Was, but uh... yeah, there's one piece I used to play with the, the E up to F sharp, and I'd just be in fear all the time. This is just gonna oh, blind me and snap. So then I, yeah, then I started tuning everything down. So it was all a flat, you know, down and flat. Yeah. And then it's just like <laughs> carrying too many guitars. The joy of being a guitarist used to be that you could just carry a guitar to a concert. And, right, of course. And now yeah. I'm carrying amplifiers and <laughs> trying not to get into pedals. And, yeah. So yeah, we, 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 we're gaining and we're yeah. losing. <laughs> So do it's do you have any any you mentioned the the uh, third string G sharp tuning do you have any other any other favorites? Well, what did I write recently? Sometimes like, some of the Eric Whitaker ones is G sharp on the third and a low D. Um, one of the new uh, Philip Glass ones is the kind of classic G and D as the two low strings. I'm quite okay, pleased that was sure. so convention that worked so conventionally. Um, <laughs> the other pair one I think is like D to C sharp, F to F sharp, and string to ah. g sharp i think oh. huh. it's all oh, yeah when you're reading this stuff it's quite interesting to try and get your brain to yeah. switch and, uh, right 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 and, and you just when, when you write write for that you're writing it just writing it i write i do a tablature as well actually um okay because i always want my um pieces to be published as well or oh, for or i put sure. them on my website and things like that quite often so i want everyone to be able to access them and and it does help a lot to when you're yeah. when you're gone into a radical tuning, especially. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it gets more than a than a whole step away, or it's you know we have a couple strings in the middle, getting getting strange, it uh, it gets it gets a lot harder to deal with. So, and, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the fun one at the moment is the two E's up to F and the B to a B flat. I'm having a lot of fun with that. And uh, ah. there's uh, another. I did that for a Philip Glass piece. It works for two of his. Um, piano etudes that I've transcribed and then huh. I'm, I'm doing some improvisation in it as well which kind of works really nicely oh cool and, um, and are, are you are you keeping like with, with the, the Philip, Philip Glass transcriptions do you do you keep them at the same pitch level that they were not originally, necessarily or? yeah okay some, sometimes I try but I'm not really too fussed about yeah. that I just whatever will work okay so that plus the the retunings that's yeah. a, sometimes a capo as well layers yeah. Yeah, a couple of layers of thinking going on there. Yeah. So it's kind of like Sudoku, you know, Sudoku. Um, these little, yeah, these little yeah, games. Yeah. I like playing chess as well. So it's all that kind of just shifting, <laughs> shifting things in the brain. Putting the, putting the puzzle together. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So yeah, all the arrangements. I, I think could, of yeah. them as they're my, they're my musical Sudoku games. I'm just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah, tra will the transposition work? Will the tuning work? And. Uh, yeah, and eventually, and and do you find like when you're doing that, you just you you push it around until till you find something, and then you know, oh yeah, this is it. It just works. Well, you think so sometimes, and then there'll be like one chord yeah. that doesn't work, and then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't want to make transcriptions that sound like transcriptions either. And um, right, there's a lot of Debussy ones that are 
people are doing at the moment they're so close like Claire de Lune is so close to making them work and yeah. um, the arabesque as well which is one of my favorite pieces in it so, right oh, I don't know it's so hard to especially when a piece is so famous <laughs> to like to not, right of course not, yeah I don't want yeah. to hear strain in the in the performance Right. Especially right. when you end up playing too many high notes on the guitar, I can, you know, yeah. trying to find resonance all the time. I'm trying to make that guitar resonate, and which is why Villa yeah. Lobos is so good on the guitar. And it's just absolutely it works so yeah. well. And I'm, so yeah, it's not always not always possible. And sometimes your love of the piece um, from its, <laughs> how it sounds. And again, this is some of my pupils have kind of shown this to me that that's a guitar piece for guitarists and so i'm playing them a piece and i think doesn't this isn't this great isn't this wonderful this piece and like, yeah i can understand why guitarists would like that and, but to a non <laughs> to a non guitarist it's like yeah. yeah i always think with the with the arranging problem you know especially when it as regards to piano music it's it's uh, just do it for two guitars yeah it's fine it's fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you can you can phrase things you can have all the textures you need everything's great you know but just i think i think it's so it's it's such work to, to play most of that stuff on, yeah. on solo guitar um and so hard to do convincing because you're working yeah, so hard I've, you know it's like you know how, how can you make music when exactly you're just yeah physically being taxed to the maximum all yep. the, the entire time yeah we have such a hard time so. playing solo guitar and it's yeah <laughs> especially when we're playing pieces that weren't designed for it and it's yeah, I'm, I'm getting old and lazy and it's just like why is it, why does it have to be so difficult can we not yeah two two guitars <laughs> and we get the message across and i mean a lot of time with the transcription you can get the message across without having to put all the notes yeah. in etc and right and yeah. And there's um, the piece I used to play by John Taverner, who's a contemporary English composer who died a few oh. years ago called Chant. Yeah. And most of that was single notes. And it's so joyful yeah. to play because it's you can just really, you know, get that melody across and yeah. And do what the guitar does so well. And yeah, vibrato yeah. and all of that, and, and you're free to do it. And did he not write for, for guitar? He did the one piece. There's something there's one piece called yeah. Chant. Yeah, yeah. And and another tip for that, it's got, you have to do these G octaves. And I thought, well, you just tune the A string down to G and it's really easy. Oh, there so there's a, there's, if anyone else wants to play that, you can just do it that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I was doing that about 15 years ago, I guess. And yeah. So there was a little, I can see the development now of how yeah. it started to come across this <laughs> idea of So that may be a, a fruitful way for guitarists to go. I mean, you look at all the acoustic players sure. that you see, they're all retuned. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, I mean, it's not a, it's not a complicated solution, but you have to think of it, right? Yeah. You have to have, have the idea. You're like, whoa, you know, and, and uh, I think I'm, I think I'm going to start looking at my solo repertoire a little bit differently now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what stage of, as a student, you, you have your first drop D piece or, or Renaissance right. G to F sharp, and it instills you with so much fear. Yeah. And, right. And then after a while, you just go, okay, it's fine. I can do that. And, uh, right. And, and then we stop. <laughs> yeah, I have, I, have, I have private students that absolutely avoid yeah, exactly. all costs, right? You know, oh, I don't want to play that piece because of that tuning. It's like, you know, it's never going to be as difficult as the first time. Once yeah, you get yeah. over it, it'll be fine. It's really not that bad. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, but then, I, have, I have some private students like, Nope. <laughs> then this is why the guitar is so strange compared to other instruments. Because what other instruments? Right. If you tell them, 
we're going to move the notes. We're just going to rearrange those piano notes. And yeah. Let's put all the E's together. Well, maybe, they, maybe they should do that yeah, more often. Yeah, they come up with something. <laughs> I guess, you know, the, the cage yeah, piano. Yeah, you got the prepared, prepared exactly. piano stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there, there's some, there are definitely some pitch-related yeah, um, yeah, yeah. modifications that are going on in some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like, tell, yeah, tell a violinist he's going to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> tune the A string down to a G sharp. What? <laughs> well, I guess that's not happening. <laughs> the cellists do it with the the lutes, the, the cello suites. Oh, yeah. that's right. The six cello suite, right? Yeah. Um, there we are. They can. Uh, well, I guess I guess they're, they're yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> We're not alone. Not cool. <laughs> we we belong. <laughs> <laughs> And then yeah, that's the other advantage of getting a nice um, recording um, performance set up with amplification is you can play with other musicians without straining again. Right. I was in yeah. a nice group recently with piano, clarinet, uh, singer, and piano. And that was great fun playing with them. Yeah. There's a yeah. composer friend called David Braid who wrote music for this combination. And we did some nice concerts in London and around doing that. That was nice. Yeah. It's just good to be playing with other musicians, you know. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, it's 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 funny because I've done, I've done chamber music both with and without amplification, mm -hmm. and and it, it it depending on the music, yeah. it can work pretty well. But like it's, yeah, it's very nice to, the ground to have that though, option. Yeah. yeah. In oh a big my hall, gosh, yeah. I yeah. needed a little little boost there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, perhaps, perhaps that's where we should leave it for for today. I don't, I don't know if there's anything else that uh, that you want to let people know about going on, or that, that we should talk about. Or it's been it's been wonderful talking to you and, and getting to know you. And and I, uh, I, I, I'm hoping I'll I'll be able to to make make contact yeah. with you in person while you're here in the states. Well, in the, in well, the I hope I can rent a car maybe, and when I get over there and uh, and drive around a bit. Yeah, and I'm. How long are you going to be in the, in the country? Well, the conference is for three or four days, but I think I'll try and at least okay. stay for a week, I think. Yeah. yeah. A long Absolutely. way to go for, yeah, another, yeah. for such a short amount of time. Yeah, and it's a, it's, and it's a huge country. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll get to LA this time, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that would, be, that would be a heck of a way to spend the week, though, yeah. drive, drive to LA from... From Ohio, you know, <laughs> you should get your yeah, you should get your return flight out of LA. Okay, drive to LA and uh, and fly out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I used to do in Spain. I used to call it the Albanith tour. I used to go on holiday and yeah. go try and visit Granada and Mallorca, all, all the the famous pieces. Yeah. And, uh, visit huh. those. and did you would you play them there? While well, you were there? some of oh, them. Some of them. Yeah. 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 I didn't have them all in my repertoire, <laughs> but um, I was. I thought well, that would make a nice kind of little video. Uh, project to do yeah uh, sure. did something a bit similar to that he did his nice um tour of spain and uh guitar yeah. i think it was called yeah that was fun yeah so it'd be great yeah if people can check me out on gerardcousins.com as you said um i've listened to my, yeah and um yeah i'm just recording the next stuff now and hopefully that will come out at the end of the year I'd imagine by the time that all happens and yeah looking forward to the coming to the states that'll be fun and then having to phone lots of people and try and get lots of concerts going that's that's, that's my agenda now yeah 
<laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see what we can do to facilitate that from from Columbus here. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely get that get that happening for you. So yeah, be wonderful. Thanks so much for your time, Gerard. I really appreciate it. It was really nice to, to get yeah, to know you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, really nice to meet you. I've really enjoyed these podcasts you've been doing. I'm working my way through them all. This is... Oh, thanks so much. Okay. Goodbye. This is Carl Wolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook.